Welcome to the Bereans Bible Prophecy Podcast. This is Bob McLaurin. Today's episode is going to be just a mixed bag of all kinds of stuff. Random order, no priority here, but uh, let's jump right in. It's been about three weeks. I really didn't, there, there really wasn't that much to talk about that you can't just see for yourself in the news, but I'll still try and revisit some areas where we might need to tie up some loose ends. Um, so into the randomness, uh, think last week, Glenn Beck cited a poll where he said 52% of Americans are preparing for some type of civil unrest. And when he said prepare, he meant, uh, or I believe he was interpreting the poll, like preparing physically in some way, uh, for unrest. And, it was due to COVID, disruption due to the election, leading to violence, and all things regarding that manner. So one and two, which I, I really don't get that sense. I, I believe this, but I, maybe because of COVID, but uh, regarding a sense for that many people fearing that there's going to be civil unrest through the election, in a week. Um, I don't see that in my own little circle one and two. Um, I've got a couple of friends that are, they have an awareness and they've been preparing, but most people I think are just, uh, these last couple of weeks have been pretty quiet. Like the Amy Comey Barrett, Coney or Comey, I can't recall now, but ACB, those hearings have been pretty uh quiet sleepwalking through those you know we'll see if next week brings more rioting and trouble but if anything i would think there'd be rioting to bring distractions to all of the data dump the documents and the scandal on biden and the left and everything that's been dropping lately uh in the news that the media and the left just ignore, which, you know, if if Trump's third cousin did 1% of this stuff, it would be over. He'd be impeached. So they certainly have exposed who they are to us. Some other things, just I'm still shocked when I see the media, how many involved just say the same thing. I mean, I would I would expect one or two to be bought off or whatever blackmail, but every single one of them in lockstep, and that is again disheartening, stunning. It's unbelievable. And really, if you know, when you go to somebody on the left, and you know, if you were to present that, which I don't anymore, you know, it's it is unbelievable. <laughs> It's shocking and stunning to see that all the blue mayors, governors, media, and everything, they they are in absolute lockstep in down to the smallest detail. And that's what's mind-blowing. You know, you figured there'd be some email that gets released that, aha, we see how they're controlling everyone. So... That's that's still new every day. I still cannot get used to the how many people 
uh, are willing to destroy our country just to can to get power. They're willing to destroy millions of people's of lives. That ought to show you something. They're willing to destroy everyone's lives in order that they might get their hands on the reins. So, you know, and because I do think we've reached a point now where if someone were to make an attempt on the president's life, the media and the left would find a way to justify it. They'd say, well, he brought it on himself. He can't work with anybody. Um, he's made enemies of all our allies. He's brought us to the brink of war closer than anybody else, which, if anything, he's gotten us out of more than anybody else and befriended uh, North Korea and others. So, I mean, really the only enemy, the only open enemy we have, uh, most of them are our own countrymen, but uh, the only external enemy is uh, Iran. Everyone else, uh, once we stood up, pretty much just left us alone. I mean, China is certainly fighting back in their own way, but they're doing it with their own people. They could not have accomplished what they have done so far without our own citizens, own politicians. So, uh, and, you know, we've now reached a time where it doesn't matter what you believe on the Dana Coverstone stuff, whether it's true or not, or, you know, picking it apart, trying to uh, declare him false prophet. He never claimed to be a prophet. He never, all he did was say, Hey, I had a dream and I feel compelled to share it. That's all he, that's all he ever did. So, but we've now reached a point where if you have any awareness or at all of what is coming, you would be preparing for unrest physically be preparing for your own security. So, uh, you know, what Dana Coverstone's dreams did for us is just give us a head start. Because at some point it is going to be too late. Because still, it is unbelievable that what he was saying that he saw could actually happen. Because we've never seen those things. We've never seen it get that chaotic and even now, I mean, it's been pretty quiet. It is still quite difficult to believe that we could get there from here. And yet we're, you know, less than 10 days away, maybe. More randomness. Saw an interview, Glenn Beck and some lady at truthevote.org. And this is hinting back at the last episode. But the fraud that's being perpetrated right now in the election process is not to win the election. It's not to get more votes than the uh, than Trump. It is to perpetrate the fraud so that and uh, perpetrate the fraud, set up the straw man so that they can knock it down. Those are the words of this lady on Glenn Beck. They're setting them up across the country. And it's not going to take that many. Uh, the administration is going in and, you know, you'll see occasionally on Twitter the the Supreme Court of a certain state will knock, knock down, you know, you can't, no, you can't accept ballots that are 
not postmarked or postmarked a week after the election. You know, you see those and go, oh, yeah, yeah. But all it takes is a handful to go through because all they're wanting to do is create the perception of fraud so that they can, you know, day after the election, when it doesn't go their way, they can uh, they can say, you know, hey, how can we trust the results? We can't uh, because of, you know, they can point to specific things, which they set up themselves. So they're not trying to get votes. Uh, they're not trying to win the popular vote. All they're trying to do is cloud things so that they've got a basis for lawsuits. Now, from what she was saying, all they've got to do is tie up the results until December 8th, and then it goes into the hands of Congress. Like, if the Electoral College can't can't make a decision, and she said they're already lobbying the blue states that look like they're going to go red so that those states would overrule electoral result in the presidential race and vote blue so that they can take the electoral vote by fraud as well. So, uh, and cause enough chaos. Basically, even if they don't get that, they can cause enough chaos that it'll put it into the hands of Congress. And, you you know, (laughs) I wish we could take everything out of the hands of Congress right now. So uh, you've, again, you've probably seen all this stuff, but, I try to take input from everything, and that's what I'm trying to do is just aggregate it back together. I want to remind you that when things get to a state to where we're hearing from mainstreamers on the conservative side like Beck, Glenn Beck, and Dan Bongino, that is serious business because for the most part, these types of thoughts and fears have been... Twitter only or uh, Q and for them to come out and warn folks to prepare it, it must be pretty serious. You know, we can certainly expect clashes in the streets because that is what they have stated there. One of their ploys is going to be. Another random note, I wanted to revisit one of the previous episodes I'd seen on YouTube that they said 30 pounds, someone on YouTube said 30 pounds of rice is a year's worth, will feed a person for a year. And so I went out and using that measure, well, when I sat down and thought it through, looked at the label and everything, if a half a cup of rice is a single serving the 25-pound blocks that you can buy at Sam's, Costco, and all that is 100 servings. So that's a, if that is 100 meals, which that'd be a small meal, obviously 100 meals is not a year's worth for one person. So do not rely on me. Fact check everything. But I just wanted to make you aware uh, if that's your, if what I told you is your sole measure of preparation, you need to do more. Uh, another cheap thing you can do is go to Walmart and buy ramen noodles. You can get like 60 single servings for like 10 bucks. So, you know, yeah, you're going to be the guy with the shopping cart full of 10 boxes or so. But, you know, when you can get a dozen servings, it's either 10 or 12 in a box and it costs like 225 
how do you beat that? Uh, you know, again, buy food you're going to eat, but it's cheap and don't be picky because there, there isn't that much that's so cheap that uh, you can stock up and not spend a fortune on. So on to another random thing. I saw today where the White House had announced that Israel and the Sudan are going to normalize relations. And in return, Sudan would be taken off the terrorist list or harboring terrorist or whatever the phrase was. So they are now on the list with Israel doing business with Bahrain, Sudan, and uh, uh, there's Cyprus, UAE. Did I just say that? Um, and I, I even saw a rumor at a reputable news source that said that Israel might be having secret talks with Syria, which is mind-blowing there. So uh, we're seeing the connecting of the dots of this economic network being uh, constructed before our eyes, even in the midst of all this craziness. So wanted to make you aware of that. And this week in a Bible study, this, this just blows my mind, but in a Bible study that I was participating in, made the statement, you know, the word Antichrist is not even in the Bible. And I roll my eyes because it's so, it's such a Clintonian statement. Ultimately, where they're trying to take somebody uh, has so many loose ends and loopholes, and I don't even know what they're trying to, really trying to accomplish. But uh, it's, I, I hear this regurgitated. Yeah, maybe that phrase isn't there, but you can connect the dots via the abomination of desolation and what Paul says. There, Paul is obviously talking about a literal person, a literal person. I don't know how you get around that. So, and you know, and that just bleeds over onto all the preterism uh, stuff because you know their argument looks good from one angle until you examine it from all angles and you see that it's just a facade and it can't measure up. It doesn't measure up against logic or scripture. And you know, so I don't, I don't know if this pastor was a preterist or what, but um, that's not the way to justify it if that's the case. So let me wrap up with, I, I got a, I had a good phone call with a listener out there uh, Chris Dobson, and he reminded me of something I'd said about the two witnesses about um, John potentially being one of the two witnesses. You know, and this goes back, this falls in the category of does it really matter? Probably doesn't, but um, what is fascinating is, uh, and I'll bring up what he reminded me of, which is uh, it's Revelation 10. 11, and let me bring up Esword here. Revelation 10, the chapter is about the angel and the little scroll, and it goes through 10 verses there. Verse 10, and I took the, the little book out of the angel's hand, ate it up, and it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I'd eaten it, my belly was bitter. And then 
verse 11, and he said, that angel, he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And the statement I had made, and I completely forgot I even made this, but, and thank you, Chris. Uh, but the statement I'd made is this, this 11, verse 11 is completely irrelevant if John isn't one of the two witnesses. I mean, why, I, I guess, what's the point of making this statement if it isn't another hint that John is one of these witnesses? And the reason I bring it up is if you do digging, you know, obviously everybody, when you mention the two witnesses, we just reflexively say Moses, Elijah, Enoch, and, you know, whoever else. I don't know if there's any other popular choices. That's probably the 99%. And I think I'd seen on YouTube where somebody talked about John, but I didn't give it much credence. But now, and and again, I'll say any evidence is circumstantial for any candidate because it just doesn't say. But let me just bring you the circumstantial evidence surrounding John. This all starts with a scenario in Matthew 16, 28, Mark 9, 1, Luke 9, 27. So those three areas, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it says, here's Matthew 16, 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And Mark 9, 1 and Luke 9, 27 talk about this same event transfiguration blanked out there and his cross all in play there obviously in the short view but we'll reserve the longer view here next let me take you to john 21 23 in this event peter's walking with christ and he looks back and he sees you know the beloved disciple john behind him I'll read the NET, so it's twenty-one, twenty-one. This is John. So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus replied, if I want him to live until I come back, what concern of, is it of yours? You follow me. So the saying circulated amongst the brothers and sisters that this disciple was not going to die. But Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die, but rather, if I want him to live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? So even there, Jesus is kind of parsing some words there. So we go back to Revelation 10, 11. Then they told me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So if you search on peoples, uh, nations, tongues, those kind of key words, the combination of those, the only other place you'll find it is in Revelation 17, 15, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Obviously, the witnesses are going to testify before the whole earth, many nations, peoples, kings, and tongues. So, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I just Googled, you know, why was Paul sent to Patmos? 
And, you know, it said he was sent to Patmos because uh, he would not stop preaching the gospel. So they exiled him there, which is where he wrote the uh, book of Revelation. And he states that in verse uh, 9 of chapter 1. And what you'll find in the lore on the Internet is the reason he was sent to sent out in exile is to Patmos is because they attempted to boil him in oil and he didn't die. So either this legend or mythology uh, grew up out of this earlier rumor that John couldn't die or he actually couldn't die and he got exiled to Patmos. So, uh, you know, it's for you, for what it's worth there. Again, it doesn't matter who those two guys are. I, I will find, I do find it interesting that if we are to see the two witnesses, and I, I believe now based on timing, uh, I think we will, if we see the 70th week, we'll see the witnesses, uh, you know, if two guys showed up and said, my name's Enoch and Elijah, you go, bingo, we know who they are. But the frequency of someone named John shows up, it's like, come on, are you kidding me? There's millions of Johns around the world. So, uh, you know, just the, there's there's room for doubting, casting doubt on whoever these guys say they are when they when they arise or when their ministry starts, which now we think it's the midpoint based on our studies. So, uh, based on the second woe. So, uh, anyway, I think that's all I've got. Uh, get ready, stay tuned and, uh, you know, be watchful, prepare for your family and those who aren't, uh, in your circle those who aren't preparing that are in your circle, prepare for them. Grace and peace.